Straight to you from Denver, Colorado, this is Precursor the Startup Journey. We share the ins and outs of building a tech startup from inception to launch to revenue and beyond. If you've ever wondered what building a startup from scratch really looks like, you're in the right place. With full transparency and honesty, we reveal it all about Precursa on our ride from idea to exit, the wins, the lessons learned, and the unexpected twists and turns. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. This is Precursa, the startup journey. And we always record on Fridays. I don't know if I've ever told you that, but it's always a Friday morning. And yay, this week feels like a week that needs a Friday. I don't know why. (laughs) So today, in the continuing our entrepreneur experience segment, my guest is Mark Van Holsbeck, who is former CISO of Avery Dennison and founder of Jukebox Live, a startup helping musicians and fans find and engage with each other. When Mark retired from Avery, he decided he didn't want to take it easy, but rather he wanted to build something new that incorporated his passion for music and his vast career in IT. So he jumped in headfirst as a first-time founder, and today he's joining us to talk about his journey. He's funny, he's crazy generous, and he's tenacious in a wonderfully founder way. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Mark. Hi, Cynthia. (laughs) How are you doing this morning? I'm doing very well. Thanks so much. Good, good, good. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and sort of your journey and and how on earth you became an entrepreneur? (laughs) Well, you you, you started pretty well with uh, some of my history. So being in IT for 42 years, um, you know, my brain is always about fixing problems. And, uh, you know, I see something I, oh, that can be easily done by something else. And... um, and also, you know, the flip side is I'm a musician, play in bands, and and I've observed over the many years how bands operate. You know, from you know, publish publishing their their gigs, uh, getting band members, you know, rehearsals, uh, getting fans to come to your gigs, getting people to come to your mm-hmm. gigs. Uh, it's always been a challenge, and and. Uh, you know, putting those two sides together, I thought there might be a better way for us to solve the problem of how bands operate by using some technology. So mm. um, I set aside some time. Well, actually, it was during my first and only real vacation. I took a month <laughs> off and went to South Africa and totally <gasps> shut off from work. Oh, and, cool. Yeah, because it couldn't reach me. So yeah. it was the first time that ever in my career I've been totally out of sync with the rest of the world. But it gave me a chance to have full, you know, a thought process about what I was trying to get at. And so while we're driving through the the countryside of the South Africa, which is there's a lot of blank spaces. There's a lot of time yeah. that you don't see animals. You see yeah. a lot of dirt and dust and shrubs. Yeah. So I had my notepad out and I was inventing Jukebox Live. Wow, so, no kidding. Yeah. So that's how it, you know, got on paper at least and gave me a chance to think through all the you know, ins and outs and, and stuff. So then then it was looking for some way to help make this piece of paper turn into an actual <laughs> app. And, uh, you know, it's funny because I was asking around how, how I can go about doing this. And that's when I thought, I know someone who's built apps before. <laughs> and I contacted you. And it's so funny that it just kind of went full circle that you were in the business of helping you know, entrepreneurs uh, get their apps off the ground. And And that's how us, you and I reconnected because, you know, even though we're family, we've, we kind of all went our ways when you moved out of the local area. Yeah. And uh, and that brought us back together full circle. Yes, it did. Yeah. So uh, for the audience, Mark is actually my brother-in-law. So my sister is married to his brother. And that's like probably one of my favorite things my sister's ever done in her life is marry Paul. So, (laughs) so you play an instrument, right? I do play drums, yes. Awesome, awesome. How long have you been playing drums? My first band was in the seventh grade, so... Uh, wow, yeah. that's awesome. It is awesome, it is awesome. We, um, I think it was in my freshman year of high school, we were playing a gig right next door, a school next door to another school, and the other band was Van Halen. 
before they oh became my gosh. so popular. Yeah. <laughs> we went out for a break and we heard this band playing really loud, you know. Yeah. Like, who, who's that? <laughs> Later on found out who was playing there. But uh, it's that's my short little Van Halen connection. Oh my gosh, that's so awesome. I love that story. <laughs> yeah, they were playing the high school and we were playing the junior high gigs, you know, so they were older than us. So they got the bigger gigs. But uh, oh my gosh, high school. I don't know. I don't know that musicians like any kind of musicians could really play a high school anymore. That seems like way out of bounds for the current Probably, tenor of you know, things. I've never been offered a gig for high school anymore. So me neither. Yeah. I've never been offered a gig for a high school and I've been playing for about 20 years. So, <laughs> okay, well, that's cool. All yeah. right. So, so you talked a little bit about Jukebox Live and sort of its origin story. How has the journey been? Like, what is it, what has it been like going from, Hey, I have this idea to, Oh my gosh, now I'm building an app and, and, and where are you in the process and how is it going? Well, you know better than anybody. Uh, by the way, I'll just uh, share a tidbit. So Cynthia has been uh, my advisor on this journey for me. So it's been very helpful to have someone and I'll, you know, probably expand on that later. But, you know, having an advisor is, is I think, critical to your success because you don't know what you don't know. You know, yeah. Uh, it, it's uh, there's a lot of um ups and downs in this process and things that you've got to do and things you don't want to do and getting someone to help, you know, keep you on this straight and narrow and doing what's important and not getting easily sidetracked, you know, the squirrel moment to yeah. say, Oh, what's <laughs> over there? That looks fun. <laughs> I think it's human nature to try to do what's simple or what's, what's uh, natural to them as opposed yeah. to they'll put the hard things off to later and yeah. you need to do those those hard things, and that's uh, where I think you've been, you know, cracking the whip on me, making sure. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look over there. Don't do it. You know, but uh, but so yeah, our journey has has been fun. It's um, currently we've got the app uh, under development, and it's actually right now in the Apple Store for its second review. The first review was a kickback with a minor thing, but. Uh, so I'm waiting for hopefully this next one to pop out of the, the oven and be ready to eat. So, <laughs> so that's uh, now I've, you know, I've been prepping. Uh, I've got groups of people that I'm uh, preparing to use to test the app out. My alpha yep. group is somewhat techie people that won't be asking, what is this flight test thing or how do I load the app? You know, I, I want them just to, to focus on the app, not the how to get yeah. the app loaded. So that's my techie people group that'll alpha uh, be doing the alpha testing. The beta testing are more generic, you know, some tech people, but a lot of non-technical people. So uh, that's more kicking the tires and getting the thing running. We'll, and uh, make hopefully that gets through those two phases pretty well. So we'll have an app that's functional and, and workable, whatever they come up with as, boy, I can't figure out how to work this out. Then we'll have to tune the app to make sure that works. And yeah. the, the third phase for me is got five bands that I've recruited to help actually do it live in person with real live audience members that have never seen or even know what Jukebox Live is. So yeah. the band will be performing, the audience will be watching, and I'm going to kind of have pre-prepped pre the tables with business cards and how to get the app loaded and posters and stuff. So telling people Jukebox Live is being used by this band. Check them out. Nice. So uh, hopefully they'll uh, watch and observe how well they do. And this will be yep. a real live, real live test, right? Uh, for yep. a POC, if you want to call it that. Yep. So this will be fun. And I'll be following along with those five bands to get them stood up and observe, learn from that. And any minor or hopefully minor fixes we have to do before we make it ready for the world to have. That's awesome. Do you have a planned launch date? It, that's one of my things I was going to Yeah, February say. of 2021. It, it, no. Exactly. <laughs> that's the one thing you have to be in this uh, entrepreneur state is very flexible. Uh, you know, you, if you make a schedule, uh, add a ton of, you know, contingency time, because like I said earlier, you don't know what you don't know. Mm. And things will come up, you know, so the development took a lot longer than I anticipated. I couldn't change that fact. Yeah. It, it is what it is. So the, the short answer to your question is, I'm hoping 
end of August, I'll be public on the Google and Apple stores. Okay, awesome. Awesome, awesome. And, you know, you and I, as you mentioned, we've done a ton of work together over over several years now. And a lot of it has been about, you know, my favorite topic, which is product market fit, right? How do we, everybody's got a great idea, but are there people out there who will, who want it, who need it, who will pay for it, right? And talk a little bit about that process and sort of your experience digging in and and did you have to pivot along the way like what did you learn through that process right product market fit is one of those things i didn't want to do <laughs> <laughs> nobody does yeah and i kept looking you want me to ways. talk to customers i'm a techie what is that <laughs> yeah well you know I, well anyway so yeah that was a, a fun experience actually it was more fun you know in my imagination it was gonna be more grueling than it was but <laughs> It was fun to, to talk to people because my app has got two sides of the same coin. One is for what I'll call a fan or audience member. Yep. And the other one is for the band. And they both have to be there to make the ecosystem work, right? One yeah. doesn't work without the other. Yeah. So I was interviewing people from two sides of that coin. If they're a musician, you yep. know, I wanted to find out what problems are they seeing? Do, do they see the same problems I do? Yep. And do they wish they were fixed like I wish they would fix, be fixed? <laughs> and, you know, if they had other ideas, and many of them had some great ideas. So, you know, everybody's got their own view of the world. And so everybody comes in with different, you know, seasoning in the, into, the, uh, into the meal. So, um, yeah. so that was really good getting their side. But, again, the band person is also a fan, right? He or mm -hmm. she might go out and listen to live music at other bands. So they have their own perspective of, boy, I wish it did this too. Yeah. And then the pure fan person, which is not a mu musician in any way, you know, people uh, that uh, yeah, so like music, but just don't know how to play it. They have their perspectives and they were also quite interesting and different, but, but also very good. So yeah. I learned a ton about what should be in there, what shouldn't. The other thing that uh, I don't know if you're going to ask me later, but I'll say it now. I was trying to bake the perfect meal all courses and all of everything. And I wanted the table to be perfectly set. And you said, guess what, Mark? You only get to have the salad. That's right. You, this is MVP. Throw everything. I know I want it all. Yeah. No, MVP is this few things. So I think you and I, I had the, my most hard, you know, hardship was deciding what not to have. Yeah. Um, I struggled with that. I wanted to call you names a couple times, but <laughs> I, I didn't. <laughs> At least not to my face. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that was hard. You know, I told you, my, mentally, I get it. You know, yeah. otherwise this development process would be four years and, you know, and yeah. you can't do that. Yeah. And, or, or you can't afford it. That's for sure. So yep. doing this self-funded is, is that's when you realize, man, you got to put a stop to this sometime. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Yeah. So so let's talk about that for a little bit, because you have you've bootstrapped everything that you've done so far. Right. I did. Yeah. And and how's that been like, you know, is that is that really feasible for the average entrepreneur? How has your experience been with it? What, did you ever consider taking on investors like, you know, or was this just kind of like, OK, I have this pool of money and I'm going to go until it's it's gone. Like what what sort of was your thought process around that? Yeah. Well, I totally wanted to get people to help me um, <laughs> any way I can. Yeah. But um, I, I, I found I couldn't afford the help that I yeah. needed. So uh, it was a lot more money. I think, Cynthia, you helped me try to find some people that could do development in some me method that would, uh, you know, sharing of the, the, the yeah. value of the asset, you know, and doing yeah. things like that to make my costs go down. But it just didn't work out. The, the numbers were way higher than either of us thought was right. And yeah. uh, so instead of making it short and sweet and making it get done in, you know, six months to a year, it's now two to three years to do it. Yeah. You know? and, and COVID yeah. didn't help either, right? Yeah. All bands shut down. My bands shut down. Uh, so, you know, kind of, you know, good and bad in some respects because it put some of the take some of the pressure off because there was nobody yeah. that uh, you, you got to get that app out you told me about well you know it's People not here were like yeah, i'm not even playing right now it's it, exactly you know the bands that i saw actually a couple of bands that i signed up they broke up after the because of covid they just all oh, wow. went 
everybody started doing different things and you know because they didn't rehearse they didn't yeah play, you know so yep. so that you know anyways i'm not sure how i got to that that line, but, <laughs> um, all good. yeah but um so think. so what development process did you ultimately end up using is it is it a single yeah. dev who's got like some equity like a co-founder or what did you end up doing it's just me um <laughs> there's i ended up having i funded the development i funded the mark the um, design materials yep. um everything uh yeah. or i did it myself which yeah. also took longer because i had to learn great stuff learn stuff show yeah. it to you and you'd say hey that's great but maybe a little more of this and your seasoning again <laughs> using my metaphor there so it uh, needs more pepper you know so yeah so it you know it's taken a long time this has been a terribly long journey but frankly it's okay because i'm retired i yeah. don't have no one is like you know marching around my yard saying we want jukebox live it's yeah. not happening right it's just me i'm Darn. So that song is in my head right because they don't yeah. know what they don't know they don't know how right. great it's going to be it's going to be an awesome app right so but <laughs> everybody i've showed the you know the the app too or the screens too they all really get get it and love it and say just get it done yeah i love the design of the app it has such a like such a modern fresh feel but with that kind of like old time concert experience right there's like this it's this like brilliant mix of the two things how did you how did you do the design piece was that did that come out of your head or where'd that come from well the first design i drew like i mentioned in south africa so i've drawn <laughs> i've drawn all the pictures of how i thought because being in it i you're used to doing that you have to yeah. make the whole concept and and be able to express it to someone too, right? Because even if I gave it to developer, they need to know what they're developing. Yep. I can't just ramble on and say, it's going to do all these 12 things. You got to show them <laughs> what that's supposed to look like. So I did. Uh, but then the fun part, the really exciting, for me, it was fun. It cost me some money, but I used a company called 99designs. That, oh, yeah, we love 99designs. Yes, I think you turned me on to that. Yeah. Um, so basically you get... A bunch of designers coming up with ideas for your screens, right? You yeah. send them some uh, some designs, and they will turn them into something beautiful. Yeah. And now you have to decide which one is the most beautiful, you know. <laughs> um, and frankly, what's interesting, there was one there was one designer that I thought was the best, yeah. Yeah. but this person didn't understand what we were trying to do, which was yeah. really did. They kept thinking I was selling music. Oh um, yeah, and, and, uh, but I like the color schemes. I like, so, anyways, yeah. we went with the second one who totally got it and was actually brought in some great ideas that I hadn't thought of of how we should make it look. Like you mentioned, I think that person yeah. really, you know, lived and breathed the jukebox live idea with me and helped make it what it what it now is. Yeah, I love so, that. Uh, I love that. So that was a fun fun you know, journey. It took several weeks uh, to do, but it was definitely worth it. I learned yeah. a lot. Have you, had you ever built an app before? You've been in, you've been in technology for so long and I, you know, uh, mm. had you ever done a development project or built an app before? Yes. My first job in IT 42 years ago, <laughs> um, I used to be a developer. I started as a developer. So oh, I was writing that's cool. in yeah, COBOL and RPG Assembler. <gasps> COBOL. Do you know about the COBOL cowboy? No. He's like the last holdout. And there's all these companies who have all these legacy systems that are still in COBOL and they've never migrated them. And oh this guy, God. he's somewhere in Texas. And that's literally the name of his company is COBOL Cowboy. And he is he charges insane rates and he is booked for years. Right. Years. Because nobody does COBOL anymore. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so if this doesn't work, you can go have a second career doing that. Right. Well, maybe not. You know, I, I've written many apps uh, early on in those platforms. Yeah. And so I certainly understood the, the process. And then I got into other things in IT and operational things and whatnot. And then my last part of my career in 20, maybe 28 years of it was in IT cybersecurity. So part of that job was to make sure that the apps were secure. So I, you know, had to go through uh, with the developers and make sure their process of code design and code review and security review. So I understood 
the newer processes that they're trying to do and how you know, uh, we had to inject security into their process, which, of course, they hated every bit of that. Of course. Uh, you know, they just, <laughs> uh, you know, when you still catch people putting the password to the app in the text of the app and you say, that's really not smart because anybody <laughs> can see that, you know, but it's so convenient for them, you know, and uh, anyways, I was. And it can't be password or admin or one, two, three, four, five, six either. <laughs> right. That's hilarious. So you weren't you weren't really new to the process, but right. you were new to the role that you t that you've taken on as as founder and sort of like orchestrator of all the things. What's that been like? How has it been kind of figuring all that out? I mean, you talked about having an advisor and how important that was, but you know, ultimately you're kind of the guy. How how is that? How's that been? Like if if there's other first-time founders or people who are like Hey, I might want. I have this idea. I want to build something. Like, what's the most important lesson that you've learned that you would tell them as an entrepreneur? Wow. Well, I said it before. I'll say it again because I think it needs to be said twelve times. You've <laughs> got to be patient. Um, uh, you need to. Uh, you know, one of my jobs in my career was in charge of project management for the in a company. So I put out a, a, a schedule of, of at least the things I knew I had to do. Yeah. You know, trying to put the dates on them was probably a joke, but, um, <laughs> but at least knowing what had to be done. And so then you could kind of wrap your head around, where is the finish line on this thing? Because yeah. now, in, like in this case, I'm doing it all. I didn't hire anybody. I had to know what all things had to be done. And some of them weren't the same technical things, you know, like Cynthia, you mentioned earlier, the market, market, you know, reviews and all that stuff and the marketing materials. You know, yep. when you work in a Fortune 500 like I, I did, there was departments that did all these things. You know, you had yeah. marketing departments and you had uh, operations and you had development and yep. security. And, and anyway, so everybody was doing their thing to get it to come together. Yeah. Now, that was me doing all those things and, oh. you know, learning the, uh, the marketing stuff. You know, I, I draw awesome stick figures. <laughs> that's, that's all I got for you. So, and sometimes uh, people look at my figure and say, is that a dog or a person? And I have to write dog or person just because I'm such a bad drawer. That's where my, nie my niece comes in. Becca, you should be helping. Anyways, having all of that thought through and, and knowing where the finish line was, was very helpful. And I think everybody should try to do that. Even yeah. if that's not your strength, you still need to know what you got to do. If yeah. you're going to bake a cake, you need to know what your ingredients are, right? Yep. Even though you're not a baker and you're going to learn to do it, you got to do it, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. And as a first-time founder, how do you know what all those pieces are? Is it just research? Is it talking to people? I mean, like, you know, if I'm like, I don't even know if I was going to build a project plan today. Like, I have no idea what goes in there. What What am I keeping an eye on? How did you figure all that out? Yeah. Well, you know, fortunately, I had all these years of history in IT that helped me think through that. You know, there was things I didn't know, and that's where you came in to play and help a lot. Um, so Cynthia, if I, if I didn't say it out loud, Cynthia has been my uh, advisor in my project. Uh, yeah. So things I didn't know I had to do, she would say, you need these three things to add to your <laughs> recipe. So in the timing and where it belongs and all that stuff. Um, yeah. So yeah. This is Sarah Hubbard, host of You and Me Kid, a podcast about starting and raising a family on your own. We just launched season two, and I'm speaking with single moms, those still considering, and experts in relevant fields to give you a real sense of what the day-to-day -day experience of solo parenting looks and feels like. Plus, this season, I've partnered with California Cryobank, the number one sperm bank in the U.S. So wherever you are in the process, this podcast provides some support, humor, and helpful information. Listen to You and Me Kid wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you or your company are looking to jump into the podcast world, now is the time. The Plug Agency is here to connect you to the full power of podcasting. You just record and leave the rest to us. The people are listening and want to hear from you. Theplug-agency.com. That's theplug-agency.com. Click the link in the episode description for an exclusive offer. That's what I would suggest to entrepreneurs. Get some help. You know, yeah. number one, another big thing, don't be afraid to ask for help. If you know someone who's done it, they're at yeah. least a starting point. They may not have all the answers, 
Yeah. Uh, and I think on a prior podcast, you had some people talking about, you know, getting help and how much of their help is genuine or, or accurate. But, you know, you need to, you need to ask. If you don't yeah. know, you don't know. And so ask. Yeah, I love that. This is where I think like communities, even like incubator and accelerator programs that start to create community, like anywhere you can find other people who are being founders can make such a difference. You know, whether you can do like a one-on-one -on -one advisor relationship, like what we've done or not, even just being around other people who are doing it can help you kind of pave that road a little bit. You know, I, I love that analogy where they talk about how you can drive all the way from New York, California in the dark with only the distance from your headlights, right? Like you don't know what's coming out beyond that, but you can see that far and that's far enough. And in some ways that's really true as a founder too, because there's so many twists and turns in the road and so many pivots. And so, uh, yeah, I think, I think, I think you're absolutely right. Having other people, not only to help you understand what's coming, but also it's lonely. I mean, have you, have you experienced that at all? Like that? I, I, I experience it at least once a week where I'm like, oh man, this thing isn't going to like, there's nobody else making this thing happen but me. And that can be kind of lonely, right? Yes, that's true. That's a good point. It brings me to a thought that, you know, being a first time entrepreneur, uh, you have to be passionate about your project or your app. And if you're not, it's so easy to just drive off the road with your headlights yeah. only seen so far. Yeah. And you really, and your desire to get your app out and get it to people so they have the joy that you anticipate them to have. Yeah. That's huge. Those things are your, your grounding to keep going. You know, it's, uh, it's so easy to say, oh my, this is just too much. I'm done. I, yeah. I'm, uh, it's too much, you know. Yeah. It never ends. It just keeps going. <laughs> when do we get to California? I don't know. Is this you know? California? No, Mark. Yeah. It's Ohio. Keep yeah. going. <laughs> exactly. Well, Ohio's nice. Maybe I'll just stop here. <laughs> exactly. Good enough. I'm done. Yeah, it's so easy to, so, you know, yeah, I've had those thoughts too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I'm, I know I'm, I'm still only maybe 50% done with this journey. I've only, even if I get the app starting, you know, next month, that's yeah. not the end of it. And yeah. frankly, I don't think there is an end because the nature of an app is people always have these new ideas that they want your app to do. So yeah. when you think that you're done, you're going to add more. And so yeah. it keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. So I realize that, uh, but I do have, you know, I do have a goal that I want to kind of get to and anything beyond that, is gravy to me, you know, yeah. so. That's awesome. I love that. So you talked a little bit about sort of, like I said, the origin story. How did you come up with this idea? Was it, you know, people always ask me, I'd love to, I'd love to be an entrepreneur. I'd love to build an app or something, but I don't know how to come up with an idea. Is it just doing something that you know well, or like, how, like, how'd you come up with this? Were you sitting there drumming along one night and, you know, women are like shouting birthday requests from the, and you're like, we can't hear you. You know that, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like, what was yeah. it? No, you, you're hitting right on the, on the track there. It, it was just being in the band and observing these things that were occurring. Um, you know, I'll cite a couple that, you know, one is trying to get your gig, have people come to your gig. It's just the mm -hmm. simplest thing. But how do you do that? You've got yeah. emails and uh, people, you know, or Facebook or Instagram and uh, the one thing that's really frustrating for me, and every, every musician I've talked to, all have the same true story. They have friends that say, I'm definitely coming. I'll see you there Saturday. Right, when right. you get to the gig and your friends Nobody's aren't there. there. And, what, yeah. and when you say, dude, I thought you were going to show up. Oh, that was this Friday? I totally forgot. <laughs> so I thought, we could fix that. Doggone it. We put an app and you remind them, this is the night you're going to go see your friend. Oh, yeah, okay, I'll go do that. But out of sight, out of mind, you know, and it's not yeah. that they're bad intentions, just people are so busy with their lives, right? So right. how can I help solve that, right? Yeah. And you, you made light of the other one. You know, people will ask us to play songs. Um, the, the funniest one is we're performing a song. My singer is singing, and someone is yelling at her while she's singing lyrics to the song yeah. we're playing now to go play another song. And I just, you know, sitting in the back in a drummer, I, I, I'm just watching all this stuff happen. Yeah. And I'm thinking, that's terrible. Besides your mood, 
But, you know, how do you expect her to be able to process all that while you're screaming? And we can't even hear you. You know, yeah. monitors, we're hearing all this music coming at us. You don't know that. But we, you know, you know, and the other one was the shout out. You know, people write down something on a napkin from their drink holder and it's all damp and, and grunky. And, and, you know, it says, and you you pass the paper around the room and you're advancing. And everybody's like, hey. everybody's like, manamana. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. So, you know, even tip, you know, it's funny because I've done this to me. I'm now the fan and I'll watch a band. And then, you know, on the way home, talking with whoever was with me, say, that was awesome band, was it? Did, I, did you? leave a tip i didn't leave a tip we forgot to leave a tip well okay pop up the app and drop a tip while yeah. you're driving home or at home you know yeah. these are all these things that happen in a band in real life yeah that, um, and yeah. I'll, the last one i'll throw at you is if you just as a fan as an audience member you just yep. want to find out where is a live music playing tonight oh yeah uh, just try that exercise it could take you 30 minutes because you don't know what, what's the what's the address of the restaurant down the street? Oh, they don't right. do live music. Right. So then you Google and you find a bunch of stuff, and then you find you know live music, but it's someone's comment says they don't have live music. So you might go there right. and there's no live music. You know, right. there's no easy way because everybody's providing this information in their own forum. You know, yeah. Ways. And if you don't know the band name, you can't look them up on Facebook to see where right. they're playing. It, it's, and it, even by the band name, you don't always know what do they play. Like you might be like, "Oh, this is live music. This looks cool." And you go and you're like, "I am not a heavy metal fan. This is not what exactly. I wanted to enjoy." Like, right? Exactly. So yeah. you go there and you say, "Oh crap! I I, I don't want to stay." So now yeah. you're standing out in the in a parking lot with your friend saying, "Where do we well, go now, now?" What? Now yeah. now you're just bar hopping or something. Yeah. You know, just looking for anything. So <laughs> the whole thing is such a is a hassle. And yeah. I can easily fix that. Yeah. So you're so you're replacing the flyers that bands put all up and down the street for like six miles radius around the venue they're playing. <laughs> do we still do that? I don't know. I haven't <laughs> seen I haven't seen anything like that in a long time. And I guess it's been replaced sort of by social media. But yeah. there's even a breakdown there, which is you have to know about the band in order to be able to follow them to know, you know. And so this is almost like a new way of even discovering bands that you might like right so yeah, that exactly. so that then you can follow them and know where they're going to play next time and and all that right exactly you don't have to know who they are you just know they play the music that you like to hear and you're going to go there and that's, yeah, that's the awesome. bottom line i love that i love that so then the the thing that i'm hearing is do do what you know like yeah. not necessarily you don't have to have done it necessarily professionally but do something where you do something solve a problem in an area that you know because you're always going to know more about how to solve that problem and who the people are that you're solving the problem for right yep exactly right yeah i love that so what would you say is the most important personality trait or characteristic that someone should have to be a successful entrepreneur uh, you have to be um patient you have to be tenacious you have to be practical because you can't always get what you want i think that's a song and, <laughs> but if you try sometimes <laughs> sometimes you may get what you need right you might yeah you yeah. just might <laughs> So, uh, yeah, yeah, really, you have to really desiring your product, your product or project to be out there for everybody and use that as your anchor yeah. to keep you going because there's a lot of spots, easy ways to drop off. Yeah, it's, it, it, you're pointing to something that I talk about a lot, which is the why, right? Like, why does this have to be? Why does it have to be now? Why am I the one, right? And that's the thing that's going to keep you going when – you this beautiful project plan that you built like just doesn't turn out that way right yeah because <laughs> you're right it could be it's really easy to go oh this isn't going how i expected or you know what 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 was i doing what, you know why why does this matter and if you don't have a big enough why you know for you you're like looking at all these bands that are like they're really great and they play at these really great venues and you're like not enough people know and not enough people show up because they don't know you know, and, and so is that your why or what is your why? Like, what is it that, what is that thing that is like your anchor? 
I think my anchor is, um, this is probably self-serving, but <laughs> maybe a legacy. I, I'm looking for, oh. you know, this is something that I built and they always remember this is the guy who made that jukebox live thing, even though somebody else will build it bigger and better and, and yeah. over, take me over. But at least, you know, I had that idea that started the, the seed that started that idea that made bands life easier. Right. Yeah. Oh, I, I love know. that. A legacy. Yeah. Why? I love that, Mark. That's really cool. Nobody's ever said that before. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. I love part it. Of it also was I was, you know, was part of the initial one was I was thinking about family members because many of them play music and thought this could be something that, you know, I'm I'll be eventually pushing up daisies yeah. and they're younger than <laughs> me. And maybe, you know, they will take this legacy and, and make keep it alive. Right. It's becomes a family business, if you will. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So if you could give other entrepreneurs one piece of advice, what would that be? And I know you've given us a couple, but. Get help. Mm. Number one, you, you will, you, I won't say you will fail, but you have a higher percentage of failing if you don't get help because you don't know what you don't know. I've said that yeah. a couple of times. It's probably so true. Um, it, and, um, and love your project and mm. keep keep it going as long as you can. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's too simplistic, but I think I'll it's go, perfect. Simple's great. Simple's great. Have you ever read uh, the Jim Collins book "Good to Great"? Uh, I think so. That was a long time ago, isn't a it? A while ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm rereading it, and I'm reading the uh, chapter five, which is the hedgehog concept right now, which is like, you know, there's the fox who's like knows a lot of stuff, and they're very cunning, and they're very crafty, and they're always trying new things, and they're like, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're 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 multitudinous in their thinking, right? And then you have the hedgehog that's like. I'm just doing this. I'm just doing this. I'm just doing this. And this thing is simple and I'm just doing this. Like it's, it's just simple and it's focused and it's very direct. Right. And in, in the, in the companies that he's comparing the, the companies that went from good to great, they, they had a very simple objective. Right. And so they were the ones that were more successful and all the comparison companies to those companies that underperformed or, marginally performed against the market were really trying to do a lot of things all at once or be a lot of things to a lot of people. And so, you know, simple is great. Like simple is actually how you get it done. I mean, some of the simplest ideas in the world are the most prolific and, and you wouldn't even think about them, but they're, they're like, well, yeah, of course, right? But there was no yeah, of course, until that thing came into being, but it's really simple. So simple is good. I'm, I'm a fan. <laughs> 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 All right, so I'm going to give you a statistic, and then I want you to tell me what you think about it, okay? Okay. All right, 42% of startups ultimately fail because no one wants what they're building. <laughs> um. I would say some of it is true. There's other attributes that can can be reasons why it fails. Um, you know, either you don't have all the resources you need to do it, like like I was talking about the developers and all that stuff. Yep. And or um, you're not really the person that can help inspire the sales of the product. You know, not everybody's a oh, salesperson, right? Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know if I am either. Um, we're you know, going to find out. Yeah, I'm going to find out. Yeah. I'm a tech guy, you know, yeah. and yeah, I've had to do presentations to the board and all this stuff, but that's a form of selling, but it's different than what I think I'm doing in this, you know, um, uh, commercial market here with, you know, I mean, the public market with everybody that's, you know, looking at it from a different point of view. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I've had some of my discussions with venues, management, and things, and it is interesting. I'm not. I'm not always successful. I'm less successful than I anticipated. I thought they would just. Oh, this is fascinating. I want to hear more. 
And it's like, oh, I, I don't know. Well, I don't, maybe I, I'm doing fine already. You know, I, yeah. I'm getting rejected, you know, on things I thought, come on, this is slam dunk. But uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know. I'll do my best and see if I can get, you know, 50% of the way there. Maybe later on I can find a person that really knows how to, you know, sell yeah. it, right? Because I know there are those people. I've met them. I know them. Yeah. They can make you buy stuff that you don't need. Yeah. But I'm not that guy. <laughs> so, and I, you know, you got to realize your, your strengths and weaknesses. And I, I know that. But if I can just get enough people to get the ball rolling where I can afford someone that can help do it or that's done it before. Yeah. Uh, that'd be great. So, yeah, I don't know. That's awesome. So I, I hope I answered your question. You did. You okay. did. You're great. You're great. Um, so how did you find your developers? Cause I get that question all the time. Like, I don't know how to find developers. Like, you know, and most of the time, if you do a Google search for a developer to help me build my app, you end up with all these huge agencies that will charge sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars for a simple MVP, right? So what, yeah. what strategy did you use for that? <laughs> well, <laughs> it, it, the strategy was a total failure. So <laughs> you, you go back to ask for help. And uh, I, when I first retired, I, uh, a friend of mine asked me to help advise them on uh, cybersecurity for their, their startup. Okay. And they had some developers working on their code, and they were based out of India. Okay. And I met, you know, we had meetings, and I met them, and all that stuff. And that startup failed; it, it crashed and burned. Oh, okay. Um, sad for them, good for me, because uh, two of the developers that were on that project did some great work, and uh, you know, since I knew them and I knew how well they did what they did, uh, I asked them to help me with my project, and and uh, so the price was. Because of the you know the, the currency valuation and all that, it made the development much cheaper for me. Yeah. And uh, you know the only downside is you have to wake up in the morning to make your phone calls because you're in the other side <laughs> of the world. But I, actually, I was so used to that from my job. You know, I worked for yeah. an international company that had offices in 53 countries. So. Yeah. Any time of the day didn't matter to me, but yeah. so that's how I, I kind of fell into them because of the perfect circumstances, you know, like the strategy you talk about later. You and I kind of went on this this journey trying to find people, and the price was so high. It's oh my like, gosh. yeah, I'm gonna take all my retirement money, drop it into it, and yeah, and no, pray. I, yeah, and you're yeah, like, pray. no, yeah. that's not a good strategy. Yeah, so I always had some kind of money set aside that I thought I wanted to use for because I knew you just couldn't do it for free. Yeah, and, but so I had to keep within that budget, if you will. Yeah, and that's what ended up working out. So, and and I yeah. said earlier, yeah, it's taking longer. Yep, but. Um, I can afford it. So and I, yeah. I mean, no one's banging on the door saying I must have this product right now. Like when you work in a you know yeah. uh, company, you've got a deadline. You've got to make it no matter what. It's, it's and a that's kind of yeah, that's kind of the benefit of not having a, investors, right? Is that you right. don't have people who have put money in who are like, hey, Mark, what's going on with that thing? You you can you have the luxury of okay. I can do this a little bit different than how I plan. And maybe it takes more time, you know, good, cheap and fast. You get to pick two. Right. Right. Um, and and you have the luxury of that because you don't have someone else yeah. breathing down your neck, you know, and I and I think, you know, I don't know what you think about this, but I feel like so many times entrepreneurs get investors involved too early. Mm -hmm. So not only do they give up more of their company than they really should for the money they're getting, but they also don't get the opportunity to learn the lessons without the pressure of time, right? Yeah. And I, I I, don't know what you think about that or, you know, if you had gotten an investor two years ago versus, you know, where you'll be in six months, like what would the difference be, do you think? Yeah, uh, you know, that's part of this life cycle. I said earlier, we're only 50% of the way there. there. There'll probably be a point that I'll need an investor beyond yeah. MVP. Yeah, and frankly, it kind of terrifies me because it, now I've got a, a boss again, right? You know, right. I'm not my own boss, right? Right. And they invested money and they want to see some something for it. Uh, I want to get myself to the position that I can actually make those things happen. Yeah. Uh, right now, I'm, I'm way too early to, to promise anything, right? Yeah. You know, um, so after we've maybe got MVP going and get several thousand people on the platform, uh, then I can at least prove the concept is is functional you know, it worked yep. right it yep. has has legs yep. 
um, then it's easier to sell to someone to say, hey, I can make this thing happen versus imagine a world where you have an app <laughs> that bands could, you know, that's just, that's harder sell, right? And Close your, your eyes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, and your valuation goes way down because they can't imagine what you're imagining, right? You, that's it's, right. it's impossible for them to get to where you are with just that's a, right. you know, wish you could see this and, you know. That's right. So having a real live thing that they can kick and say, ask their friends and their, their whatever, uh, yep. you know, how, what I think. And so anyways. Yep. Um, and having real life customers and, and even potentially some real live revenue, right? I mean, yeah. those are all things that create enormous amounts of value. And it's because it proves to an investor you can execute. Right. And ultimately that's what they're investing in. They're, they're, I mean, they're, you know, they're putting the money into the company, but they're saying this team can execute on this product to turn it into a higher valuation, which gives me a return on my money. Right. I mean, that, right. that's, that's the simplest way to sort of like articulate what an investor really is. And so the more you can not only de-risk it for yourself, but de-risk it for them, the better terms you're going to get in your deal and the easier it is for you as a founder. Like you said, the minute you have investors, now you have a boss. Like so many people are like, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to own my own world. And it's like, yeah, until you get investors, then you're not anymore. <laughs> then you have other people, you know, pushing on you, right? Yeah. That's why when you watch Shark Tank, everybody tries to keep their 51% because <laughs> they want to still be their own boss, right? That's right. That's right. But I can won't. promise you and Mr. Wonderful invest in your company. He's the boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. All right, cool. Well, um, what are three pot, you know, or like some other resources or books or podcasts or other things that you might recommend to our audience who are interested in either becoming an entrepreneur or they have been an entrepreneur and you just think it's been really helpful for your journey? Well, I'm going to disappoint you in this respect because I've really <laughs> not done a lot of that. Uh, oh. I do actually, I, I do listen to your precursor show and because it's very specific to what I'm trying to do. Yep. So it, it is interesting to listen to the folks talk about how they solve problems. And some of them you have, you know, really beginning entrepreneurs and some of you have ones that have already made it. Yep. So uh, right now I'm, I'm kind of stuck on yours. So, oh, yay. Uh, great for we you. love that. <laughs> uh, you know, I've really not, uh, I, I don't know, maybe because I'm busy doing all my yeah. stuff with the app all by myself, I, I, I kind of spend less time doing it. I know that's one of the things I, sh you know, frankly, I don't know, it, maybe it's one of those um, squirrel things, you know, it's one of the things I, I know I should be doing more of, but I, mm. I, I don't. Um, yeah, I get that. You know, I don't know. I get I'm, that. I'm I have a business coach who who is like, Cynthia, how many nonfiction books are you reading? And I'm like, uh, uh, one now. <laughs> 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 you know, because it's tough sometimes, you know, it's, it's like when you sit down to open a book or whatever, or like you're in the car and you want to kind of relax or, you know, like there's a gazillion other things competing for our attention. Right. And one of the things that's competing for my attention right now, which I absolutely love. And so I'm perfectly fine, like promoting it. It's a podcast called Ridiculous Crime. Right. And I love true crime podcasts, but they can they sometimes are pretty dark. Right. You know, they're talking about these horrific murders that went unsolved and like outlining the investigation on them. And it's fascinating insight. I mean, super fascinating. But you can kind of start to feel like the world is horrible. And so they they <laughs> built this. They designed this podcast called Ridiculous Crime, where they literally talk about craziest, most ridiculous crimes you can ever imagine. And it's hysterical. Like, I find myself laughing so frequently. I mean, and, and they go off on these like tangents where they're like, oh, that, you know, they were talking about, and it, they were talking about this one that was like these five elderly dudes in their like 70s and 80s who are, who robbed this bank in, in the UK and stole like a bunch of jewelry from lockboxes and whatever, right? And it was this big international heist. And they're like talking about the getaway driver. Well, he was the getaway driver because he couldn't run very fast because he had diabetes. You know, like, I mean, it's just it's hilarious. It is like the funniest thing. Yeah. And, but when there's ridiculous crime, you know, I'm not thinking about, you know, the latest business book that I should be reading. You know, I mean, it's like 
so squirrel mentality, I guess, to go back to an earlier analogy you made. I do it too. Shiny. Yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes you need to check out and have that moment, right? Yeah, right? Otherwise, your brain is it, it becomes numb with all these things you've got to do. It's That's right. So That's anyways. Right. That's right. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for joining us today. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for being the guy who's like the musician inventor, because mm. I think that's pretty unique. I mean, I think musicians are mostly focused on like inventing new equipment or like whatever, right? Because that's what's really cool, new gear. Um, so that's really cool. And I, I really appreciate that. And I, I, I love that about you. So thank you for that. Thank you. If listeners have questions or they'd like to get in touch with you to continue the conversation or maybe they're interested in Jukebox Live, like what's the best way for them to do that? Well, um, my website is www.jukeboxlive.app. Nice. And the um, email is similar. It's mark at jukeboxlive.app. Awesome. Awesome. So flood Mark's inbox with, hey, I want to go see live shows. Because he's going to be looking for more be for more beta participants. I'm certain of it. There you go for later things. So, all right, awesome. I will make sure that we include that in the show notes for the episode. Thank you again so much for joining us today, Mark. I really, really appreciate your time and your story. It's been it's been awesome. I had a lot of fun. Thank you for inviting me. Yay! Yay! All right, y'all. Thanks for joining us for this episode. As always, happy entrepreneuring. And I will see y'all next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Precursor the Startup Journey. If you have an idea for a startup and you want to explore the proven process of turning your idea into a viable business, check us out at Precursor.com. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. Until next time. <laughs>